Today's episode is brought to you by Oyoga, offering over 50 classes a week between their two studios in downtown Syracuse and DeWitt, New York. There are opportunities throughout every day to find your center and allow your mind to turn inward and examine the abilities of your body. Oyoga offers all levels of classes from beginner workshops to hot and sweaty vinyasa flow classes. Come find the right class for you by signing up for the two-week new student unlimited membership for $25 and take as many classes as your heart desires. Our world is a truly amazing place. It is full of wonder, beauty, and amazing people, most of which we will never see. I am Tyler, and along with my wife Tiffany, we are Ohm Travelers. Our goal is to see the world, create amazing experiences in our life, and meet as many inspirational people out chasing their dreams as we can. This show is my opportunity to bring their stories to you so we can all share in the lives, inspiration, and awesomeness that we seldom hear about in those around us. Please join us here and at Ohm Travelers on Instagram and be a part of our journey. Namaste. What if every pedal stroke was a dime that could help someone else? This is the way that Tim O'Shea's life functions. While he was out during a long distance bike ride, he started thinking of ways that his passion for riding and running could somehow benefit others. From here, a few close friends and he devised a plan to climb as many high peaks in the Adirondack Park as he could in 24 hours. About a year later, he rode his bike in minus 4 degree weather to Lake Placid, New York then climbed Mount Marcy where it was minus 30 degrees, all for a few brothers he had met one time at a bike race a year prior. Tim's mind is busy, but not in a scheming kind of way. He is constantly scheming on ways that he can involve himself in things that make his life more fun and more interesting, not necessarily in ways that will make him rich. From turning his love of running and biking into a very successful coaching business to creating energy bars for his athletes and now for everyone. My biggest takeaway from Tim is that he finds ways to help others through his passions. It isn't always easy, but he keeps formulating a way, and his end result is doing good for our community. Enjoy today's episode. Today I'm here with Tim O'Shea, a uh, local legend on the biking and endurance scene, and um, we have a lot to discuss, so I think today is going to be a very interesting episode. Tim came uh, across my way from a friend of mine who is his neighbor and said he has this crazy neighbor who is out making trails in the backyard in the snow and any way to get outdoors, and then as I started to do some more research on Tim and see what I could gather. It's really very impressive what he's done um, for many people. So I'm very excited to hear his story and certainly excited to share it with everybody that's listening. So Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, So to start off, I like to have the guests just describe where we're meeting. Um, I like to leave it up to them. So um, give us a little description of where we are this morning. Sure. Uh, We're at Dave's Diner in Casanova. Um, I'm... I was just thinking the other day, if 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 uh, there might be a, this table we're sitting at, they might like put my name on a plaque and 
hopefully many years because I, I sit here a lot. <laughs> Actually sit in the same exact spot where my wife sits where you're sitting much of the time as well. Um, <clears throat> so we're at Dave's Dinner in Casanova uh, out in the front room. Um, Actually, this is um, Bill um, Tilson who owns it. He actually makes my Giddy Up Bar. Uh, they make my, I don't know if you've seen the Giddy Up I have, bar. and I love them, and that's also on my yeah, list of things yeah, to talk yeah. to you about today. So, so yeah. Yeah, this is kind of like a, uh, it's not really my office, but it's kind of my office. I'm here a lot, and uh, yeah, it's just a cool place to hang out, especially in the front room here. Well, I love the waffles. I just crushed two of them before yeah, we started yeah, talking. Right. So when you mentioned wanting to meet here, I was all for it. Waffles and syrup are right. uh, one of, two of my favorite things. Right. Um, so... The f when I did a Google search of you, mm -hmm. the first um, two or three things that came up, well, the two different events, but they have multiple stories about them, was one, your 222-mile trip from Casanova to Mount Marcy, up Mount Marcy, and then back down, mm -hmm. and back to Casanova, or ending up there? Um, I don't know. I just want, we wanted a ring to it, so we didn't actually... St it was a bit painful, but uh, especially because that day was like minus 16 when we started uh, without the wind. But we actually started in Manlius because I wanted to ring to Oh, at the gas Ma station. Yeah, Manlius to Marcy. Okay. So uh, I headed farther away from the that morning. I had to head what? Uh, had to head west before we started going east. So I left Cas, went to Manlius, <clears throat> started to Manlius, and then it was uh, a bike ride to. Marcy, and then a hike up Marcy, and then that was that was it. Well, we came back down Marcy, but it wasn't then back. Back to Manlius. Yeah. Okay, so it, you were you were raising money, correct? So I want to talk about that. But where did the where did that idea come from? Was and how did you formulate it? Because both incredibly impressive feats, separate from each other, but then to put them together in February, yep. was it? Yep. Is, I mean, most people don't leave their houses to go out and get the mail in February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for you to do that. So explain like the background on that and then sure. what it was all for. So it actually would go back. Um, that was my second um, fundraising event. My first, um, which is what obviously led to the second, was um, I had a, a actually a student who I taught and then I ended up four or five years later he reached back out to me and I was coaching him um, he went through a health issue and I wanted to help him so I had always been thinking about often because I would ride really early in the morning I'd be like boy wouldn't it be good? there's a lot of energy right like um, a lot of watts being produced with, or <clears throat> running or swimming whatever you're doing like there's all this human energy I'm like well geez what if every stroke could help somebody you know it propels me forward but what if every pedal revolution helps somebody else other than just moving me forward like imagine if every pedal stroke was a dime for somebody in need or something like that so it just became logical that i'm like well what if what if the, all of a sudden this this person um a friend of mine who i was coaching needed um you know he was just going through a rough patch medically so i thought well why don't i just try to do a fundraiser i've been thinking about this whole you know watts for a reason type thing like i'm like so i just was like at the time i had been doing a lot of running and i'm like well i know what i'll do i'll just put it out there that i'm gonna go up into the adirondacks and i'm gonna run slash hike as many peaks as i can non-stop for 24 hours and uh try to get people on board with that and get people to pledge a certain amount of money per peak so at the end of the 24 hours if i did 10 peaks and you pledge 10 bucks you owe, you owe a hundred to the cause and all the money went straight to 
straight to Jason. So um, that was what that was my first one. Which and when I, was that? Uh, that had to be 2005, uh, summer of 2015, I think. Okay. Um, it was definitely a summer. Okay. Um, yeah, and it was uh, that one was that one was cool. It was just basically uh, I had a a buddy, Phil McCarthy, who would who was kind of uh, my my crew, and uh, I just took off at 6 a.m. and uh, went for 24 hours and uh, got as many peaks as I could. I didn't know the routes good. I think I could get more peaks now. I, I didn't have it right. I didn't have the right the right. I still got 16, but I could have gotten in 24 hours. Yeah. And how many were you able to do, like, because I know some of them are linked together. Uh-huh. So how, did you, like, focus on those? Like, what was the setup of it? Sure, yeah. That's, <clears throat> you know the region pretty well, but if you really know the area, you could have, they would have, someone said, well, why'd you do that? Because, for instance, um, I went over the Great Range, and I was on Gothics, and I dropped all the way down and did Saw Teeth, yep. and then went back up over Gothics, and then I did oh. the Wolf Jaw. In, in <laughs> you hindsight. Can't, you can't count yeah, Gothics twice, Right, can you can't, yeah, right. And it was... Uh, that I remember it being three o'clock, and I'm descent. I'm, I'm running all by myself through the trails, and I'm like thinking, "Oh, I don't think this was a good use of time to go over and get saw teeth right now, because it just didn't seem." Yeah. On a map, it looked great, but then I'm like, "Boy, I'm losing a lot of elevation." Uh, I, I, but it was great. It was fun. So, uh, how many peaks did you get on that? I think it was 16 or 17. I should remember now. I have 17 in my head, but maybe that's because I wanted 17. I think it was 16. And I had some very generous backers. I had one one uh, person who was on the hook for a thousand bucks a peak. Oh wow! Oh jeez! <laughs> wow! So and did you do all? So you said you had crew that was with you. Did they accompany you, or did they just meet you at different places? So it was it was just uh, on that one. I had my good buddy Phil McCarthy, who I actually went to high school with. Um, on that one, he if you were to follow the map, he kind of would would. He did a, a, a portion of it, but there was all these like little little lollipop satellite off the main route. So I'd go do a peak and, and come back to the main route. So he kind of followed me through the main thing. Got it. So, okay. you know, he probably got six or seven peaks in wow. himself. Have you done any more since? Peaks? Oh, for sure. So, I haven't done them as a, as a contest, but yeah. No, My but wife I mean, like, out of the 46 that are in the Adirondacks. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Are you keeping track of them? Uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a peak. I hate to use the word. It's not that I'm not a peak bag. I don't, I don't pay a ton of attention yeah, to them. Okay. Yeah, I haven't. I've done some of them 12 times, and I've yeah. done some of them none. My dad's a 46er. My, yeah. my buddy's uh, another buddy's a 46er, but I don't. I've got it in the back of my head that I want to go back and do all 46 straight. Wow. Is another fundraiser yeah. someday? Like, because that's a thing. Yeah. Um, I, I started doing them years ago. Oh, and cool. um, I've only done a few. I think I've done maybe five of them. Mm-hmm. But with the ultimate goal, maybe someday to do all of them. Yeah, but it's, sure. you know, life, life yeah. sidetracks you. Okay. So from from that fundraiser, right. that, so then. That was just such a great thing. Yeah. I was like. And yeah. then what? So we're, that led to. What was it? Because you've done if they, you've done that one. Where there were two others after. Yeah, that? I've done. A, okay. I've done a total of three, and I haven't done. I haven't done one in a while. Um, so the the first one was just you know often in life you do something like that was good. You want to do it again, right? And uh, sometimes when you do a sequel type thing, it doesn't go as good. But I, the second one was great too. So the, had done the first one. I'm like, oh, that was really cool. You know, it's kind of. I mean, racing is cool, but this just seemed bigger and better i don't Absolutely. know just different right yeah. it's it's it, it it was it's a win for everybody um so i got thinking about doing another one and i started talking to my buddy um about 
wanting to do something going to um, Placid again, but something maybe a little different and in the winter. And um, so I started talking. It's actually, it's, um, I needed a, a source, right? I was like, well, who? And I started talking to my buddy, Paul Komanecki, um, who owns Syracuse Bicycle. And I'm like, maybe we should do something. We could do something with fat bikes. We could ride to Lake Placid. And uh, then we started looking at snowmobile trails and it was going to get dicey. And then I'm like, Ah, so we just we just kind of were going back and forth a lot, having lunch, and it finally came out that I'm like, well, what? A, I'll just. He was starting to get into hiking, and I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll ride up there, because I was riding a lot in the winter, and and then and then we'll hike it, and I think that in the winter people will be like, oh wow, and so, one thing led to another. We found a great um, two smiles, one hope. Is it was um, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I'm not. So if you could describe that. And yeah. also, how, how did you come across them? So, I mean, I read so, a little bit about it, but a lot of people haven't heard of it, so right. please. So, Paul and I were thinking um, of a good beneficiary for this, um, and he had mentioned Two Smiles, One Hope, and he had worked with them through the shop, and it, it, it seemed like a perfect fit, um, because I had actually, two years previous, come in contact with Jack and Nolan um, at a bike race in right down at Chittenango Falls called the Hillbender, and... Uh, it was just, you know, I often tell the story where everyone's getting ready for the race and, you know, everyone's caught up in, athletes can be a little uh, narcissistic and, you know, everybody's kind of like, oh, right, and, right, and we're about to start and um, all of a sudden Jack and Nolan are there and they're, and they're talking about the cause and you're seeing the two boys uh, in their wheelchair and it, if you know anything, it, they suffer from... Duchenne's, which is a form of muscular dystrophy, and um, they were telling their story and, and what their life had been like and, and what they were facing in the future, and it, I was just so taken with it. I, I, I was like, geez, I don't know if I can race my bike right now. I was just taken back by it. And uh, so when Paul, you know, this few years later mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, that, that seems like a, a perfect fit. So um, Now, what did Syracuse Bicycle do with them? So... You mentioned, do you know? I, I don't know exactly. I don't know if it had something to do with wheelchairs or they had done something with um, some fundraising. Um, I, I don't know specifically, okay. but, I just, but just Paul had mentioned it. Um, and so then it was, it seemed like a logical fit. Okay. Especially having been touched by it, like I had mentioned yep. a few years previously. So we just started figuring it all out. And again, I looped back in... Um, my buddy uh, Phil McCarthy from high school, who was on the first one, and then we looped Paul back in, into this one because uh, I, I had been on the roads in the winter training a ton, so I wasn't worried at all. But going that far away, you know, there was concern about safety with the roads, so uh, I kind of had to have a pit crew. So they got to uh, ride along behind me in in a car for however many crazy hours. Oh, so they followed you. Yes. So, okay, so describe what, with this fundraiser, this was the one that went from Casnovia to Skinny Atlas. No, no, that's... That that's came that, after... Oh, yeah, this was the Mount Marcy That's one. chapter Okay, three. This, this was is, the middle of the winter. Right, one. this okay. is number two, yep. And so from Manlius... To Marcy. To Marcy. And the kids followed you to Marcy. No, the, the kids didn't. The, my buddy, Paul, and Phil. Got it, got it, were okay. pit crew in a car. Got it, okay, which understood. they joke... Often, like Tim, you have no idea how how chapped my hands got with the heated steering wheel. Or, <laughs> you know, they 
it was a good time. Um, and it was minus 16 when you left Manlius. It was. And, and so it, when you get up to... Yeah, it was minus 30 without the wind. It was I, the coldest day of the year. Now, I know that when... Not I, planned. It was not planned. Sure, right. of course. It just, just made... Just but to it add made, to your craziness. It totally, yeah. I think it totally, it totally helped. I think if it was 40 and sunny, we don't raise as much money on that one. Now, when I was running marathons and when you have long training periods, mm-hmm. oftentimes in our area, they end up during the winter. Mm-hmm. But when you run... I first of all wouldn't run when it was minus 16, mm. but you warm up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. There's not, you know, 30 miles per hour of sure. air coming at yep, you. Yep, yep. How did you get yourself, um, I guess, dressed, prepared, yep. whatever right. for, I mean, a ride like this? I mean, yep. I know there's obviously the um, the emotional side of it mm-hmm. that is riding behind you sure. for it all. That like right. I've got to do this. Yeah, right. There's the cause a is more so pressure. much bigger than me getting fit sure. at this point. Right. How do you get yourself ready for something like that? Well, I had, oddly enough, for whatever reason, it, this was nothing, that day was not a ton out of the ordinary for me, um, because we've had some cold days, and I have just, over the years, figured out how, and it's really not that hard, but what, what you have to do when you're getting ready to ride in those temperatures is stop thinking like a cyclist and start thinking more like a, a skier or a hiker, okay. um, and so... Um, you're not trying to be aerodynamic and I'm not trying to wear like a nice fitted jersey. I'm like, okay, I'm going to wear a down coat. And, you know, you just, (laughs) you don't worry too much and you just go for for super warm clothes. And there's some tricks, a thing called vapor barrier where I would, um, because if I had really good down gloves, the last thing you want to do is sweat them up on a trip like that. If you're out for a three-hour ride and you sweat them up and boom, you get home, it's no big deal. But when you're going to be out there for extended period of times, you're going to lose your loft if you, if you sweat them up. So I had like a <clears throat> rubber gloves on okay. underneath, you know, underneath the, or in the, the down mitten. Um, same thing with, with my chest. I put on a, a, a PVC raincoat. It's a first layer, oh. not an outside layer because um, you, the last thing, again, I that do would not keep the sweat I, yeah, running I, down I, your body. You don't want the sweat to get to the insulate, insulating layer, and then because then you're done. Um, so little tricks, but very. I was never cold. Yep. Never cold. Now this was something that you had in the back of your mind wanted to do, aside from this, like, or was this? Did this come out of your desire to raise some money for these kids? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the latter. I mean, both, really. I mean, I've always liked, you know, some of my brother-in-law always says I take things to extreme. Like, so if I, I got into knitting when I was like, I don't know why, when I was <laughs> seven, eight, and there was this thing where you would like just kind of knit a chain. It was just like this crocheting a chain. And so I crocheted a chain. I kid you not, it was medicine ball size. I, I wrapped it. I could go around my house like three times. So I have a propensity to like, well, if one is good, 100 must be great. And if running 10 miles is good, running 210 miles must be good. So I've always had that propensity. And I, again, when you're doing that, there's a lot of time to think. And I'm like, well, geez, I like to do all this. Well, again, it'd be really cool and to really break it down. Like, imagine if every time I was running, every time my foot hit the ground, it was a penny to help somebody or something. And like, there's a lot of footfalls. Sure. You know, and so... It was just, I've always wanted to do it, and then the first one, the journey for Jason with the high peaks, 
happened, it went well, and so it's kind of like this thing now. I'm like, well, let me do another one, and then that's where I started okay. talking with Paul, and we're like, all right, well, I'm, you know, Manly's to Marcy came out, and, uh, and and again, the weather just worked out perfect. I mean, people say opposite, but it was just perfect because it really that one gained a lot of traction. In fact, when we got back, we did a um, at Syracuse Bicycle, we did a little talk, mm-hmm. and you know, like. It was, that was a cold night too and 30, 40 people came out yeah. to ask questions about it it really kind of grew legs it, it was uh, yeah it worked, well, it worked I well. mean it's like my. I mean right. I think it would be cool to bike to Lake Placid in the summer mm-hmm. and then like maybe a day or two later right. hike Mount Marcy mm-hmm. but it's I mean it's it's incredible. So then, so that one was 200, that was the 222? I think, I think it worked out to 222, yeah, something okay. like that, yeah, yeah. And then that led into the Kaz to Skinny Atlas 24-hour. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah. describe, again, like, there are, I think I have looked at things like that where I'm like, oh, it would be really cool to, to ride this road. Right. Once, right, 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 right. But again, yeah, yeah. but to do it they, now, do you and, like the knitting? I take it to me. Do you feel that with each one that you've done, the next one needs to be a little bit bigger? Because even though this, the Kaz, the Skinny Atlas one, we look at that and distance-wise, it's not maybe bigger. I mean, overall, it probably was. But what you accomplish elevation-wise, right, is right incredible. So there's, I, I don't know if they they have to in the in this this final one that that we're going to talk about now that's the last one i've done so if, if i was to do something else i don't know that it needs to necessarily be harder because out of all three of those some people would say that going to marcy in the winter riding up there and then hiking the mountain was the hardest but it really wasn't it was pretty easy i mean riding doesn't beat you up that much and i had done plenty it was cold but that the the ride was nothing, okay. and, and the, it, I shouldn't say it's nothing, but it, I was not at all concerned going into it. The 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 the, the last one, the uh, which we'll talk about, was in my head going to be much harder, much harder. It might not have had the same impact, but it was uh, physically much harder, especially with all the running um, on pavement. The last one was because what is the mileage from Casanova to Skinny? To skinny it, it was thirty. I want to say it was a 34 37. My numbers are starting to lose, but it was, it ended up being, um, I think it's 33 point something because it was 100 miles of running and 100 miles of riding. And did you, did somebody bring your bike back? Because you would, let's say, bike to Skinny right. Atlas right. and then run to Casanova. Yeah. Yep. So somebody was bringing your bike back yep. and forth, obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then this one was also for Two Smiles, One Hope as well, correct? Yeah. Yep. So the final one um, was. Same, same, um, Jack and Nolan, and um, I just thought of like I'd be like, well, let's do one and keep it really local, right? And keep it right in, and everybody knows that stretch of Route 20 sure. from Cass to Skinny Alice. <laughs> um, and so I was like, well, and I'd been doing again a, a good mix of running and, and riding, so I'm like, just seemed seemed perfect. Um, I knew I knew I had sponsors on each side of it. Dave Steiner here and Cass and. Um, Vanderhoof Roofing actually set up a tent right outside the Sherwood and um, so I, I was just going back and forth back and forth and it, again the, the up and the down and the running thats that one is the hardest yeah physically yeah it must have been mm-hmm. okay so the amazing thing you, you've done now so let's back up so where did you grow up Marcel's okay and describe 
your what was your childhood like? Because I mean, to have this mindset right. is something that starts at a young age. It might not manifest as right. far as running and biking until later right. in life. But right. so describe like describe your childhood yeah. and growing up and all yeah. that. No, I, yeah, I think it it maybe didn't fully manifest, but it was there. I don't know. I just I, I'm sure now they. I don't know if they would have put me high, you know, attention to, I was a little bit crazy, like just kind of spazzy, but in manageable way. So I, I mean, I just grew up with a lot of energy. I did a half marathon when I was in sixth grade. Oh, wow. So I just was a uh, typical, typical type kid. Um, was, were, was running kind of your outlet? Like, the, Yeah, it was funny because, um, I was the type of kid that, you know, I'd drive my parents crazy with, with motion, and I just remember one day my dad said, well, why don't you do the, there was a called the Gorge Run, you know, a 5K in town or something, and I think I was in fourth grade, and then, yeah, that, then boom. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, boom, I did that, and that's kind of where I got into the running. My dad was into cycling a, a good bit, so I, then one time I went for a ride, I'm like, at that point in time, I was like, well, why would I run when I can ride? Now I, you know, <laughs> it's always like 50, right, 50 yeah. miles. So I got onto the bike at a pretty young age, and it just went from there. And I circled back to the running because when I got older, I, I found, you know, running really can be a religion. It's, you hear about it, you read about it, it, like this feeling and this. So I got back into the running. Yeah. And well, I, I mean, still love it. My favorite, some of my favorite times in my adult life have been during marathon training runs yeah. like just going out early morning it's quiet there's no traffic and you're out you know 16 18 miles and then right. you come back and go to work and get on with your day it's, right. yeah yeah no i totally i totally get that so um did you back when you were in high school was there like cross country track yeah. did you do I, those kinds of I things i did or? cross country i didn't didn't love track um and i was racing my bike but um you know, I didn't. I did not excel on any amazing level. I mean, I was a decent high school runner, but I wasn't great. Um, and I was little in high school. Like, um, I'm not like huge now, but I'm six two. And I graduated. I tell everyone, it's kind of funny. I see people from high school, and they're like, "Who are you?" I graduated five foot six, ninety eight pounds. Oh my goodness! Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy school growing up? Yeah, sure. You know, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I wasn't a stellar student, but. Um, I didn't hate it, yeah. If school was fine. Um, yeah. Did you, growing up with your family, did you guys do, I mean, you said your dad was a biker, but did you do much in the outdoors? Because it seems like a lot of your yeah. life is based around it now. Yeah, I was, I was like a Danny, and I look at it now, and I don't even know how I did it, but I used to, for a stint, I got into trapping and hunting, and I can't, I see a spider now, and I'm like, I'm, no, oh, I don't want him to go down the drain. <laughs> and I think back, I'm like, how did I, why was I so... But yeah, I was uh, I was in the woods a lot. I'd Friday would come and I'd grab the tent and I'd hike out and me and my buddy and I'd come back on Sunday and this was oh, like wow. fifth grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, did you go to college? Yeah. Where'd you go um, to college? I started <clears throat> I started at OCC with photography. Then I went to Newhouse um, SU um, and I got a degree in photojournalism. And then I went back to Syracuse University and I got my uh, master's in education. Okay, and where did that lead you? So, um, I guess my first, I had a lot of jobs growing up. I was, you know, washing dishes and roofing and, you know, in high school. I was doing all sorts of stuff in high school, but then uh, my first real job would have been when I started teaching. Um, I was teaching art at Chittenango. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I did that from about, this is going to test my memory, I think around 1999 to probably 2008. Um, so I did for about 10, 8, 9, 10 years. Um, and then kids came along and it just made, fiscally my wife had the, the better, I mean my being a teacher was great, but it was easy. It was easy for me to step away and, and stay home, and my wife was able to, you know, financially sustain us for a while. What kind of art has been your favorite? Well, photography. You know, okay. that, they, but when I went back to get my master's in education, they didn't really have a you know, photography teaching. It was art education, they okay. photography education. So I got my my degree in art education, and. Uh, I taught middle school art. Have you done anything with the photography in your adult life? Well, I was I was doing a bit of shooting in all along. I haven't in the last five or six years, but I was photographing weddings, working for studios. Yeah, Just side stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you miss the teaching? Um, a little, but I, I, you know, with the coaching now and having my own kids, you know, there's such a f- I have such a, a free schedule now. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm really. I've you know turned my my real passion. I liked art. I liked photography, but geez, making money pedaling and running is way way more fun. So, at what point did you realize or say to yourself, um, like, I want to do that. Like, I want this to be my life. Was it after teaching, like the coaching, the, co- the, the coaching? Yeah. Okay, yep. Um, because obviously the the actually moving my body has always been part of my life, the running and the riding. Um, but when I was teaching, I was coaching cross country, so I kind of had that coaching component there. And then, um, I mean, I remember the day um, Sherry, my wife, and I were sitting uh, right down at the Braylock. I remember where we're sitting, talking about you know, the kids were getting a little older. Um, so I was like, okay, what am I going to do now to try to you know bring some financial, you know, increase our financial situation, um, I guess. And so I thought, oh, boy, really cool to coach, and maybe I should go back and get my my degree in physiology and yada, yada. And, you know, I said, you know, I, I don't know if I need to do that. I mean, I need to understand physiology to a point, but being a, being a coach is so much more than just the uh, X's and O's. I mean, you, you need to know the X's and O's, don't get me wrong, but... Um, it's a artful application of science, I think, and I don't. I think if you get too heady into the science, you might lose the the person because you're dealing with, with a person. So, um, I kind of said, you know, maybe I don't need to to, to go get a degree in physiology. Um, I certainly knew a lot of coaches that didn't have that degree, and so um, I just one day um, said, I'm going to do this, and um, got it. A buddy of mine and uh, started coaching him and you know another buddy and in the beginning it was really grassrootsy like you know hey Tim here's 50 bucks a month and and I just boy really organically one person to another to another to another to another to boom here we are and what is the coaching focus on so describe and give the name of your business describe right, like sure. where it's at now mm-hmm. and then I have another question yeah, sure back well on. the name of the business is point way performance um <clears throat> And the name stems from uh, my wife and I got married on uh, <clears throat> on Martha's Vineyard in, in the inn. We rented a whole inn, and we only had like 15 people at our wedding. It was just a couple of friends and close family, and we rented the inn. 
for like four days, five days. Mm. So we got married on the beach, and we all stayed at the inn. We ran, you know, we just went around Martha's Vineyards for like five days. Awesome. Yeah, and it was called it was called the Point Way Inn. So oh, that's Point nice. Way Performance, okay. and it just it it rings. So um, <clears throat> when I started coaching, you know, I, I uh, from a very early point, just I'm like, I need a name for this, and. <clears throat> got it going and LLC and did all the you know the nuts and bolts parts with the business part of it um, and so point one performance has been going now about eight or nine years um, and yeah and it's grown into and what type of training survival. do you do so who what do the athletes do what is it focused on wide range runners cyclists triathletes um, mostly endurance stuff yep I've had a few people that were like um, into some more of the obstacle type racing, but um, yeah, just basically people that are looking to to either learn more about the process. Some some people know a lot about the process. I've got people that have been racing for many years. Um, I just brought on a client. I mean, he knows the nuts and bolts inside now, and what he's looking for is maybe you know those marginal gains for me to find. Well, maybe you're doing too much of this this level of training and maybe we just need to tweak it a little. I mean, he knows training inside and out, but he needs an outside eye. Because, you know, when you're doing it yourself, you can be a little biased. Sure. Right? And there's an accountability factor. Um, so I'm, I'm, I tell people all the time, look, I'll set them up, you knock them down. And I'll be real frank with people. Like, if, if they are, I have some athletes, if, if they didn't improve or get to their goal, I can look at, and I can point to many, many, many gaps in the training. And then I, I'll come right out and tell other athletes, I'm like, look, if you don't perform well, it's 100% my fault because you have done every workout like to the T. Mm-hmm. Like if I said ride 36 minutes and then stop and spin around and then <laughs> climb the steps and eat a banana, that's what they do. Yeah. I mean, they are just robots, yeah. robots. So um, I, I coach the... A wide, as you can imagine, a, a wide range of of people. Some um, very, very fit. They come to me fit. Other people not so fit. Um, there's a lot of body composition in there too. A lot of people are just, you know, they're trying to lose weight a little bit. And yes, so you do talk. nutrition also. That was yeah, I mean, I do. You know, nutrition is an interesting piece with me because uh, I think it's a travesty that it's even needed. Like there's sure. so much. There's so much information out there, and mis- it's misinformation. It's really, I just like, I'm like, how can it be this difficult? You, people, some people are looking for that magic bullet, um, and I don't think it's there. I think it's just common sense. Um, don't eat too much junk. You, yeah. And if you're looking to lose weight, burn more than you consume. Um, I can really make it simple. To people, and sometimes they're like, well, don't you're making it, but it is simple. Yeah. That's what people are always looking for. This, it's not complex. Yeah, there's a, it's there's not a, necessarily easy, but it's not complex. Yeah, there's a very successful CrossFit coach, Ben Bergeron, and I mean his biggest thing is, as far as nutrition goes, it's his number one thing is eat real food. Right. Sure. Yeah. Have a yeah. lot of salad. Right. And then eat other things, but right. eat real food, and eat that's what food. you know yep. we. My wife has been very instrumental in me realizing that. We joke because when we first met, I would come home from BJ's with like boxes of cereal and sure. chips. And, right. this. and not only is the environmental impact massive, right. but what you do to your body. Sure. And, and I think it's just um, the knowledge is out there. I think we just gloss over it. Sure. We don't want to hear it. You don't, so it absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to me, obesity makes perfect sense. I Again, I don't have a degree, but I feel like the the... 
in our DNA is this, well, there's food there, you better eat it because there was a time yeah. where you ate when you could because you could be going a long time without it. Yep. So now we, have, we still have that supercharged um, hunger, but we're sitting right here in... We're in this restaurant with so many calories over there. We could go. We could go a hundred yards over there and get candy bars. We could go hundred yeah. yards farther than that and get a pizza. Yeah. So we have this crazy high overdrive hunger with so many options. Yeah. And they're the wrong options. And a lot of times they're over processed. So you're eating them and you don't even get that full from them. Yeah. It, I mean. Eat a tub of spinach and you're like, wow, I'm 140 calories in and you can't eat it. You know, you're just stuffed. Sure. If that same amount of food was a, a puff cereal, you're 3,000 ca- 3, calories in and yeah. you're like, I'm not even that hungry. Yeah. I mean, being overweight makes perfect sense given what, given the number of candy bars on every, every corner of this country. So people want to lose weight, but if uh, they... They kind of want to do it. They want to do it, but they don't really want the reality of yeah. it. I think, right? Now, what would you say to the people that um, have this idea, whether it be to coach other people or to start a t-shirt business, mm-hmm. whatever it might be? But they sit back and they say, "Well, I have this really great idea, but I don't have." Like, I don't have the qualifications for it. Sure, I've worn a t-shirt. Right, And, like, right, sure, you've right. gone for a run. Sure. But I don't have, you know, I don't have the eye for the color or right. whatever it might be. Because to coach other people, mm-hmm. I think to a certain extent, most people could... I mean, we coach other people every time we give somebody advice. Yeah, absolutely. No matter yeah. what it is. Yeah, right, yeah. But yeah. to sit back and say, like, I've... I've done this, and I've here are my accomplishments, whatever it might be. But at what point were you like confident enough in what you had done so far mm-hmm. that you said, "I've got something that people need to have"? Right. It, it grows, right? It, it it's like one success um, <clears throat> leads to another, and it, you, you need to be cognizant of it when you you're. <clears throat> When you're seeing successes and you, you get you're figuring out well what made them successful and how do I how do I take that to help somebody else be successful you, you're just you really just build a huge library over time so how do it, it happens slowly and organically and as long as you're mindful of of the successes and what those what's making somebody successful <clears throat> doesn't mean it'll make somebody else successful but it has to kind of go in this pool of, of okay these things are working and the more you work with people, the more you work with people, you really quickly, you, you can just size them up. It, it's, it's hard to, to uh, put your, your finger on it. Like, it. It's just a skill that you develop over time where you can look at somebody and say, oh yeah, I've seen this, I've seen this 30 times, 40 times, 50 times. Like anytime you do, do something for a long time and um, you see a lot of, Patterning. Examples and yep. patterns, you're like it just becomes second hat. Um, so, and that builds confidence, and, and then that builds confidence, right? And then, and then, even if you were in the beginning not sure, and you're trying to be confident, um, maybe it doesn't come across as confident. But then you've done it for five, six, seven years, coach hundreds and hundreds of people, and you're just like, look, trust me on this. I mean, I, I will say that some. 
I like athletes to think, but there'll be times I'm like, look, look, don't think. You're paying me to think. Yep. If this backfires, I go, if this is not good in a month, f- fire me. I've got no reason. Sure. I, I just went ahead had this discussion with a client the other day. I'm like, it, it, I'm not like um, um, a money guy. I'm not trying to sell you some sort of mutual fund that you're not really sure of. And I, you don't know that I get a kickback on the other end. So I'm, I'm pushing it. I've got no reason to tell you that this is what we need to do this week. I don't get paid any depth. The only reason I'm telling you this is because I think it's going to help. I mean, I win if you win. I want you to do better. I mean, because that's what I, I have no really benefit. Helps you. I, I get no benefit yeah. if this doesn't work for you. Yeah. And if, if, if I'm wrong and you don't, I'm like, that's, oh, I can be wrong. I'm like, oh, I'm okay with that. If you don't feel like you're getting better, I'm like, fire me. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I say it like that, you know, because that, that's it, right? If there's a synergy there. I'm like, if it's not working, I, I get that. And, I don't get fired too much, so I guess it's going pretty well. Yeah, well, I, I think <laughs> yeah. it is. Now, do you coach your wife? Uh-huh, yep. How does and, that go? It, you know, people say that it, it goes fine because um, she... Um, do you tell her not to think? Yeah, yeah for sure. She's, <laughs> she's, she's one of those clients where, like, if I said, okay, you have to hit this exact wattage for this exact amount of time and she's off by two watts she's like oh no and i'm like then i gotta back down i'm like it's, <laughs> that, that's okay right training is not as um i, I use it some people think training is digital like it's either on or it's off yeah but it's more analog right yeah. so, okay you were i wanted zone mid zone five and you were low to almost mid zone five and there's, there's like, a range yeah yeah it's not like oh i missed it is useless um, no, it works good because I'm there every day. The, the biggest, the biggest piece with, a, with training um, that people don't is the recovery component. I mean, it doesn't matter how hard you work if you can't recover from the work, then that hard work is actually making you slower. So I get to see shit, yeah. and, and there's whatever is going on with work or at home, and if if some <clears throat> if it's a bad sleep time, I can see it firsthand. I'd be like, Sherry, down. No, don't do it today. Where other people. I have a, a really open, I'm like, I tell my all my clients, text me, you know, if, if we need to go on to a day-by-day schedule right now, because usually I check in with them every week. If something's going on, start texting me and we'll we'll change yeah. it. Um, I can do that with Sherry without sure, any sure right Boom, I yeah. just see it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you don't do it today. And do your kids have any of this interest in, in running and biking? My, and They they both have um, uh, passion and, and energy. They it's not a hundred percent into the athletics. My daughter, my daughter does. My daughter's got a ton of energy. My son will pour energy more into the artistic side of things. Interesting. Um, he in more books and reading. He's he's very cerebral. He's very um, yeah. He's smart that way. Um, my daughter, yeah. Well, she will. I I can go night riding it. I'll say. Yeah, sure. I'll say. Thank you. She'll go. Yeah, I could say. Come on, Emma. It's eight o'clock at night and. We're gonna go for a bike ride with lights, and she'll go. Oh, and she ra- cool. she races too, but you know. Now we don't force it. You mentioned the giddy up bars. Mm-hmm. I've had them; they are yeah. amazing. Yeah, I haven't had one in a while. Um, they used to be sold at our um, old CrossFit gym, Urban yeah. Life. Yeah. Um, and now they're sold at Wegmans. Yeah. So yeah. that's huge. So where yeah. did where did the where did that whole concept come up? Because yes. there's a lot of energy bars out there. Yeah, so where right, did that yeah. all start? Yeah, yeah that, that that is a crowded market. Um, much like the coaching, um, I just kind of, if I get something in my head and I'm going to do it, I just, I just start doing it, kind of low drag. Um, I'm not trying to fleece anybody, but I'm just, you know, just like, well, hey, this is what I'm doing. What do you think? And um, I, uh, I've always been a foodie. 
I, I don't know if that's, that's kind of a trendy term. I don't know if they use it anymore. Makes but, sense, though. Yeah. yeah, I've always been in food. My dad had a big garden. Um, I was growing beets in my house for a while, selling them to restaurants. I'm, wow. I'm, I'm into food, um, but I'm not like... I used to be a little bit like, oh, I won't eat that. But now, yeah, I'll have it. I'll eat some chips. I'm, I'm not... I will say I don't, I don't eat, like, cookies or if it's a birthday, I don't eat the cake. And it's not because I think doing that once in a while is going to kill me. I just don't do it because I know I'm not going to feel very... I've been... I haven't had a piece of cake with that kind of frosting in a while, and I sure. know I'm not going to like the way I feel <laughs> 10 minutes later. Yeah. So um, I don't think that far yeah, ahead. Yeah, I yeah. just eat the cake. <laughs> but, um, so I've always been into food, and then the coaching was going, and I'm... Um, I, I had, uh, I mean, the, the long story, if you want the long story, um, is way back when I bought a book at a, at a, you know, when I was into food, obviously, I still am, but I wasn't into energy bars, but I was just into food, and I bought this book, it was called The, uh, the Sneaky Secrets of an Organic Mom, or something like that, I bought it for like a quarter, and I started making some of the stuff in there, and my wife loved one of the, uh, the carrot torts. And um, so I was making her these things because, you know, she, she's, she's health conscious too. And she was loving them and I was taking them to work and she was taking them to work. And of course, you know, you've heard of, you've all heard about the Cliff, Cliff story. I mean, he was just living in his dad's garage. Yeah. And, you know, he, if he got in at the right time, right? But yeah, so, right, now, yeah. so now that whole, He's a big deal. that whole story now doesn't pan out because that's what I did. And people like these, but, but there's so many bars. Had I done what I, the Giddy Up Bar 30 years ago, would it, could it have been something bigger? I, I think. Um, but anyway, so I had this book and I started making some of these things for my wife and she liked them and I was coaching some people and I'm like, you know, let me, let me why not? I'm just going to play around. I just, I just literally started playing around. I'm like, well, a lot of people make energy bars with oats and I'm like, well, why not? Maybe some sprouted quinoa. And I'm like, a lot of them use peanut butter. I'm like, well, why don't I use cashew butter? And I'm like, I started using all these like what I would feel or Maybe, maybe a better nutritional profile, but without any, um, you know, you look at some of these bars and you look on the back and it's got this much, it's just, you can tell they're, they're not getting that nutritional profile from, from food. They're getting it more from, uh, added, you know, they're adding yeah. something in there to get that much protein and this much B12. And I just wanted a real food bar, which again is nothing new at this point, but I just went and I just started picking out these things. I'm like, let me try this. Let me try this. Mixing them together, I started selling them to my clients or giving giving them to my clients. They liked them. Um, and how many hits and misses were there? Nah, not many. Oh, really? Nah, okay. Yeah, I, it, <laughs> was, it wasn't like I was. Um, there, there were hits and misses because I was also doing beet chips and kale chips. Okay. And I was playing around with different flavors, yeah. and I had this thing called granola, which was this dehydrated. Um, kale but i added like raisins and coconut milk so yeah i called it granola and and that all those things were were popular too but it just became i'm like okay i'm coaching i'm making the dehydrated stuff i'm doing the bars i'm starting to get a little scattered so i i stopped um making the dehydrated stuff um and i just focused on the bars but the that recipe for the bar you know it wasn't you know i played around a fair amount at home um but it wasn't like you know years People started liking them, and then it, it just was just, as, like I say, a pun, but I organically it just grew and grew and grew. And I'm like, well, I can't make these out of my house. That's not, so I got a, I got the processing license. I rented some space. Where are they um, made now? 
now they're made right here at Dave's. I don't, oh, Dave's I, Yeah, I don't make them anymore because... Oh, really? Uh, I mean, I oversee it, but the, yeah. the ingredient, you know, the... It is what it is. It is yeah. pretty straightforward. Um, so... So even for all of the one... Now, how did the Wegmans thing come about? Because that's I, huge. Yeah, I just... Uh, I just, like... Did you approach it, that? Yeah, 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 for sure, yep. Wow. You know, you got to be persistent. Yeah, what I, was I, that I, like? Yeah. Um, you know, I just... It took some some work, but I finally got... I, I got to the right person, and I... You know, he was like, hello. Love, okay, send me some. You know, I didn't know if that was going to be fine. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 that's it, right? Um, but I, I got them to them I made friends with the people at our local Wegmans and in the nature's market and she's great and she's like oh this is his name and so I she's like you know you can try and so I mailed him out waited called and um, you know persistent but kind of in a you know fairly polite way and he he liked the samples he's like well you know we can try them how long did it take for you to get like from the time you started trying to contact Wegmans until they showed it, them? It, it took a while. Um, and the thing was, I had so much other stuff. I, I wasn't like... It wasn't pushing. your main focus. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, this it. whole, the whole Gideon bar has never been yeah. like, I'm like, eh, it could go away tomorrow. It's, I, I don't... That's pretty cool. It could though. go... I mean, it, the, the fact that there's no pressure is, is, is perfect. I've, I've How many Wegmans? Is it just locally here it's around just, Syracuse? It's just, it's actually just in DeWitt. In DeWitt, okay. But it, they've... Um, They've been going well there, like, yeah. so they've reordered four or five times. So I could see it jumping to, and we're we're kind of at that point where it's 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 not huge, but it could go from you know it could grow yeah. it could grow a thousand percent kind of at next the ed- month edge next, of the cliff right so to speak. next yeah. month they could say okay Tim we need you know five thousand bars right. Was it cool to walk in there the first time and just yeah, see yeah, them? Because yeah, when yeah, I saw them, I'm yeah, like, whoa. Like, yeah, and I yeah, don't even know you, but right, I'm like, yeah. that's really cool. It, it, it's, it is fun, and it's especially fun because I don't feel any pressure um, with, with the bars, right? Yeah. It's just kind of, it, yeah. it's, it is kind of, yeah. To, to, sometimes I step back and I'm like, okay, look, I'm, I'm riding my bike and running every day, and I'm, that's, that's basically, and I'm coaching, so I'm, and I'm making energy bars, so I'm like this, like bikes and running and energy bars is a livelihood. Is, it's yeah, pretty amazing. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I, I don't know, yeah. It's cool. It's cool for sure. Yeah. Um, you know. So what's uh, what's next? Like, what are your goals coming up for yourself and then right. for the business? What's mm-hmm. what's what's up going forward? Sure. So I mean, a lot of the same. I you know now that the bars have gotten this far, I might as well. Especially now that I'm not making them. There was times I was ma- I was making I was making every bar I made by hand myself, and you know a couple times a few years back, three four thousand bars a month. Oh, and I'm like, geez. And I was baking them all. And so the bars are a goal. Like, I guess my next goal with the bars would be like, well, let's get them. They're in one store. Let's get them in ten, and then maybe get them. You know, store. You know, get them yeah. throughout the whole company. Okay. Um, and. So I don't have a I don't have a threshold on the number, but I would like to grow it through the Wegmans family. I'm not pushing them too many other places because I want to make sure I meet them well, you mm-hmm. know, meet their demands. Um, I am pushing to get them. Um, I do want to increase internet sales on the bars, so I'm in the process of getting that. Where can people go to find those? Pointwayperformance.com. Okay, so right off of your coaching website. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a big. You know, social media is important, but I'm not. I dropped the ball a little there, yep. but you know I've got a decent stable of clients. Yeah. So I'm like, sometimes more is not better. So, sure. 
I'm not hugely out there on social media because um, you know I, I'm out there just enough, I think, and I've I've, I've gotten to a, a comfortable place. But um, the bars I would like to push through social media, so they um, and I'm in the process right now of making it so people can buy them online. Um, okay. At PointWayPerformance.com, so that'll be happening in in weeks. Um, so I'd like to get the bars up a notch since they've kind of gone this far it's like well i might as well just yeah you know go to the next threshold uh the coaching company just the same just keep it just kind of keep it manageable and fun um and keep the client list at a manageable amount and, and how about have yourself fun with it. Have fun yourself with it. personally anything um any? i'd say right now the biggest goal um would be the cyclocross nationals in louisville and what's the that's in December? What's the process for all of that? You qualify or have you, you, you qualify? Don't, you, well, you have to be a cat three, but you know, so that that's the only standard. You have to be at a, at a certain level to actually go. But once you get to that level, you know. Yeah. Um, and what types of bikes do you ride? Yeah, as we were talking before we started going live here, uh, doing some fat biking now. I, all of them. The only thing I don't do right now is um, time trialing. I don't have a time trial bike. Um, What's that? We're like around the oh. No, that that. Well, I don't do that either. That yeah yeah. That would be um, a velodrome. That would okay, be track yeah, yeah. cycling. Okay. I don't do track cycling, and I don't do um, where I'll actually get into a aerodynamic. Oh, okay. TT bars. Okay. I'm I'm loving the mountain bike. I'm, yeah. I'm loving cyclocross. Any um, brand you stick to mostly? Right now, yeah, Cannondale. That's your brand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love Canada. And any places, like anywhere in the world, is there like a dream ride or run of yours? Oh, boy, there's not so much a ride. Um, but there's a few runs that pique my interest. Um, there's, um, even in even in this country, I would like to do Western States 100 sometime. Uh, it's a 100-mile endurance run. run. Yeah. yeah, it's really hard to get into. Um, there's I've read one, some stories. That yeah. sounds gnarly. Yeah, yeah that's, that, it is. I remember when I first read that, I'm like, yeah. no, this is a misprint. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Right? I'm thinking if they were going to run 100 miles, it must be flat. Yeah, no. And then, yeah. uh, but then I did the whole, that was before I even did the, the, the 100 miles back and forth between yeah. Skinny Atlas running and um, and Kaz. And I realized, this, see, that's just it. When I, The reason I did my first ultra 100-mile run was because I, I went out and I ran whatever two hours and i'm getting done i'm like wow thinking i did something i'm like well how are these people running 100 miles i mean is that how does that even happen how do you even do that so i'm like but then i look and i'm like well 300 people here just did it and 400 people here just did it and like (laughs) if that many people are doing it it must be doable so i had to find out and it totally is doable totally it's not running 100 miles to me was easier than my marathons hmm because when I was doing the marathons, I'm, you're redlining. Yeah, true. You're redlining. Yeah. You hit mile 23, and you just blow apart those last three miles. It's survival. Off. <laughs> I mean, I was going. I was running yeah. backwards at one of them in Boston. I'm running backwards because I just where the hundred miler. Don't get me wrong. The lows are low and they're longer, but um, you just you just keep going. You just keep pressing on the. It, it, it was. It's totally doable. Yeah. So that's why I had to do it. So that, I would like to do Western States 100 maybe someday. There's a couple in France that are epic that would be kind of cool. The idea of traveling to run um, is a little more enticing to me because there's no mechanics, right? Yeah. Just, I can get on yeah. a plane. 
I could get on a plane with a backpack and, and bang, I'm done. Yeah. yeah, I'm a minimalist when it comes to traveling. When I did the marathons, I kind of used them for a while as reasons to see different parts of the country. Right. So instead of just looking for ones that were close, right. I went to places that were Perfect. like a longer drive away yeah. because that just gave me a double yeah. reason to go and do right. it. Well, that's really cool. Well, Tim, I really appreciate your time. Is there anything, um, any last like thought you can give to people that are kind of on the edge of like wanting to find sure. a different path in their life? Sure. Yeah, you know, I just think is you just it's cliche, but you really just need to if it's if it's a risk thing, you just if you really want to do it, you take the risk. It, I guess what I'm saying is you just you just do it. You yeah. just like um, you get to a point in your life, I think, where you just realize that um, I, I don't like to overthink things. I think a lot of people overthink things and there's a lot of fear there's like what ifs and what ifs and well, especially lot, when it comes to money sure yeah, yeah. you know and the, the, the money part too is with me it's like uh, I would rather enjoy th I'd rather get by with just less I'd rather spend less. I always my, my cliche I always would rather spend less than make more so I'd rather want less because mm. so many people, they work, work, work just to get a nicer shirt or a nicer car. I'll drive the same car for 18 years and I, I'm, I have not bought a shirt. I mean, <laughs> you go to these races, you get shirts. I mean, sure. I would always, 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 always rather spend less than make more. It's just such an easier to get you to the same place. Yeah. Right. It's all about that equilibrium. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's like dieting. Do you eat, eat less or do you work out more, right? It's like you got to – so it's, it's the same thing with me with money. I'm like uh, you need enough, right? Yeah. But so many people – I mean some of the happiest people in the world yeah. are poor. Yeah. Or, yeah. or they don't kill it money-wise. Yeah. You know, I've, never, I've never seen people that are really killing it with money. I've never always never – always, I haven't necessarily thought it was commensurate with, with – happiness okay but i think that's, that's great that's great no i yeah. think that that's great advice yeah. and i that's probably a great place to end so yeah. okay. thank you very much yeah, i really bet. appreciate all of your time and sure. we'll have to make sure we keep everybody updated with all your stuff great. going on going great. forward thank you very much yeah thanks episode was produced by me, Tyler Cagwin. The background music was provided by Soul Rising. Find him on iTunes, Spotify, or basically anywhere you listen to music. www.soulrising and at soulrising on Instagram. Soulrising, S-O-L, rising.com. Make sure to visit our website, www.omtravelers.com, in the podcast section for today's show notes and links to the places and things Tim discussed in the episode www.omtravelers.com Namaste